a sip instead of yours. If you're looking for a way to get more positive things going into your life, I'd encourage you to check out our friends at Christian Living Magazine. You can find out everything you need at ChristianLivingMag.com. Oh man! So yeah, Facebook popped up on my my phone here just a couple minutes ago. Oh, that's why it's seeming hot. Hello, and that turned way up. Hi, good morning. Oh, finally got the uh, Facebook chat working back in the system again. Morning, morning. So yeah, Facebook pops up with this this uh, the the fun notification of uh, hey, you got like five friends with birthdays today. Whenever that happens, I'm always scratching my head going like, oh, why are there so many birthdays? And so I'm, I'm digging into it, and I, I don't know why. It's, it's my obsessive nature this morning, I suppose. But I'm digging through going, what was 38 weeks ago? You know what it was? St. Patrick's Day. So happy birthday to all you St. Patty's Day people, that <laughs> babies that are having birthdays today. Probably didn't know that's why, because most people don't care to look it up. There you go. Enjoy. The more you know. Because that's what we do here at Sip and Study. We look up the ridiculously irritating details, <laughs> and we share them. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, good morning. It is uh, Saturday, December 19th, 2020, and we are in the 12th study of Nehemiah. Going to be a little bit of a different lesson this week. Uh, not as not as much detail going into this one. This one it's going to be pretty short and, and uh, concise, which is going to be nice. I think for for some people, some people really want to dig in. Some people want to have a little bit less and just move about their their merry way, which is fine. It's one of the nice things about having this as a recording later is you can always watch it and take it in the chunks that you can take it with. So, but this one's going to be a little bit of a shorter lesson. Just in and out, and then we are taking next week, so Christmas off, and I'm, I'm debating still whether or not to take uh, New Year's off, so I guess we're doing it right now, so I might as well just say, let's just go ahead and take New Year's off, so we'll take the next two weeks off, uh, enjoy the holidays with your family, and we'll come back in January and finish up Nehemiah and get into the next book that we're going to be studying. But let's go ahead and just start on in this lesson. It's Nehemiah chapter 11 is what we're going through. And this is Growing Jerusalem. And that's what this study is all about, is growing the city of Jerusalem. Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in their other towns. And the other people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem. But in the towns of Judah, everyone lived on his property in their towns. Israel, the priests, the Levites, the temple servants, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. And in Jerusalem lived certain of the sons of Judah. And the sons of Benjamin, of the sons of Judah, 
Athiah, the son of Uzziah, son of, I'm not going to say all the names because I butcher them enough. So we'll just do son of, son of, son of, son of, son of. There you go. Oh, and of the sons of Perez, and Messiah, the son of Barush, son of, son of, son of, son of, son of, son of. All of the sons of Perez who lived in Jerusalem were 468 valiant men. And these are the sons of Benjamin. Salu, the son of Meshalem, son of, son of, son of, son of, son of, son of, and his brothers, men of valor, 928. Joel, the son of Zechur, was their overseer. And Judah, the son of Heshena, was second over the city. Of the priests, Jedidiah, or Jediah, excuse me, the son of Jeroib, Jakin, Sariah, the son of Halakiah. See, this is why I wasn't doing all the names. <laughs> son of Meshalem, son of Zadok, son of, son of, ruler of the house of God. And their brothers who did the work of the house. And Adiah, the son of Jeroam, Jeroam, excuse me, son of, son of, son of, son of, son of, and his brothers, Heads of the fathers' houses, two hundred and forty-two, and Amishai, the son of son of son of son of, and their brothers, mighty men of valor, one hundred and twenty-eight. Their overseer was Zabdiel, the son of Hagadom, and of the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of son of son of son of, and Sabathai, and Josabad the chiefs of the Levites who were over the outside work of the house of God. And then Mataniah, excuse me, Mataniah, having fun time pronouncing this is fine. Son of, son of, son of, who was the leader of the praise, who gave thanks, and Bakbukai, the second among his brothers, and Abda, the son of Shemua, son of, son of, all the Levites in the holy city were 248. The gatekeepers, Akub, Talman, and their brothers, who kept watch at the gates, were 172. And the rest of Israel, and of the priests and the Levites, were in all, all the towns of Judah, every one in his inheritance. But the temple servants lived in Ophel, and Ziha, and Gishpa, and were over the temple servants. Oh, excuse me. Oh, Ziha and Gishpat were over the temple servants. Let me make sure I'm saying that right. The overseer of the Levites in Jerusalem was Uzai, the son of, son of, son of, son of, of the sons of Asaph, the singers, over the work of the house of God. For there was a command from the king concerning them, and a fixed provision for the singers as every day required. And Pethahiah, the son of of the sons of Zerah and the son of Judah, was at the king's side in all the matters concerning the people. And as for the villages with their fields, some of the people of Judah lived in Kirith Araba and its villages, and in Dibon and its villages, and Jechabezel and its villages, and in Jeshua, and in Molada, and in Beth Pelet, and in Hazashul, and in Beersheba, and its villages, and in Ziklag, and in Mesona, 
and its villages in Imrimon, in Zora, in Jermuth, in Zenoh, in Adum, and their villages, Lachish, and its fields, Aska, and its villages. So they encamped from Beersheba to the valley of Hinnom. The people of Benjamin also lived in Geba onward at Mishmash, Aja, Bethel, and its villages, and Thoth, Nob, Aniah, Ezer, Ramah, Gitium, Hadid, Zibom, Nabalat, Lod, and Ono on the Valley of Craftsmen, and certain divisions of the Levites in Judah were assigned to Benjamin. Now, this section breaks up into just basically two two basic sections. First, we get verses 1 to 24, which is the leaders in Jerusalem and, and the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And then we get 25 to 36, which is the villages. Like I said earlier, this just it's going to be super fast because there's only so much to really dig in into this one. We get the first section. Let's look at verses 1 and 2. We're going to break those out. Now, the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in other towns. And the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. So a few things here. Uh, The leaders of the nation, everybody there was living in Jerusalem already, and they were to remain. Okay, So that was going to be the main city, the main area. Okay. They cast lots. We we see a call of casting lots, and and why? Because we we hear about this a lot in in biblical times. The casting of lots, we would think of it as a kind of a game of chance, right? You know, rolling the dice, and ah, oh, we'll just kind of gamble it away and see what happens. Uh, in a biblical meaning, in a biblical understanding, it's not necessarily so much as we're just leaving it up to chance. We see in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, where it says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. We see it as a way of declaring God's providence. Okay, that's that's kind of what they viewed that as, and that's how we should view this when we see things in Scripture to where either Jews or Christians were casting lots, not so much as Romans, like when we saw uh, the Roman guards casting lots to get Jesus' garments and Jesus' things. They were just... Gambling. Who gets this? Who gets this? That was their their concept. But from a biblical standpoint and believer standpoint, the casting of lots is to declare the providence of God. This is the way God wants it. Whether we see that as God is sovereignly uh, declaring this person here, this person there, or it's one of those God's okay with whichever happens, that's up to God. I don't control God's sovereignty. He does, right? So, but that's uh, the biblical understanding is to know that when we do this, if God has a, a care over which direction something goes, he will make that la- that uh, casting of the lot go the way that it needs to. Okay, so that is the, the point of casting the lots, right? Now, one out of 10 is essentially a tithe, right? They're tithing people. We need one-tenth of the population that's not already in Jerusalem to now go and live in Jerusalem. Because remember, we saw in chapter 7, verse 4, you can look that up, uh, how underpopulated the city was, right? The city was immensely underpopulated. And so now they're going to take one-tenth of the population of everywhere else and move it in to Jerusalem to gather up the strength and the forces of the city. Because they had enemies talking about coming in and, and embarking and destroying. Well, with an underpopulated city, that's really easy to do. 
because you don't have a base to pull to pull military from to do anything from. So uh, they needed to populate this for multiple reasons, but that's just an obvious one right up front. Then we see that the the in verse two, uh, all and the people blessed all the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. There's a couple different there's a couple different understandings of what this means. Uh, some believe this implies that the one tenth wasn't enough to actually populate Jerusalem to the degree that it needed to be. And so some men joined in willingly on top of the 10%. Others believe that this could be some of the ton, excuse me, could be that uh, some of the 10% joined without the casting of lots. They just volunteered themselves. And, and that included the, the in the 10%. While others believe that this is just a representation that they didn't fight the move. Like some people were just saying, well, it landed on me. I'm moving. All right. I'll go willingly instead of kind of the kicking and streaming, right? The people bless the men who willingly offered to live. Quite frankly, it doesn't change very much which direction this actually is. It doesn't it doesn't change the meaning. The point is people going willingly and understanding and recognizing that the city of Jerusalem needs the population base and so they're willing to go and do what it is that God's leading them to do. That's that's the the tall and skinny of that. Okay. Then we skip immensely because there's while there's tons of stuff, this is going over the names of people and their lineage. Now, lineage is an amazing thing. We've already looked through Nehemiah and recognized God pays attention to these small and intimate details. These lists of people is an important thing, and it's not something that we should just necessarily skip. Nehemiah, however, has a lot of these kinds of lists. And while I'm not one to just skip this sort of thing, it would take a very long time for us to go over some of these lineage chains and try to go back and find out why is this important that they're taking it back to this person's name. Okay, so it's it's not I don't want to say it's not relevant, but it's not as it's not as relevant to the discussion of what we're studying and what we're getting here out of Nehemiah. Okay, it is important. I want to point out that while it's in scripture, it is something that we can learn from right? And we can take a look at this and actually see these small, intimate details. How many of these kids, these these people, these men and women, had these children on accident? It was unplanned. It was, uh, you know, I can go really extreme and political here. How many of these were rape babies that then turned around and down the lineage line produce people that did amazing things in the rebuilding process, okay? This is a, a showing that every life, while they might not see the outcome and the purpose of that life, later on down the line produces and does things, okay? Our ancestors going backwards are an important upbringing for today, just like our today is an important upbringing for tomorrow and the years to come, okay? It's, it's a sign and a symbol showing that our past is important and for us to remember that every life matters because these build on to move on into the future, okay? But we skip then all the way out to, to verse 22, 23. So we'll go up to 23. The commander of the king. So there was a command from the king concerning them and a fixed provision for the singers. Okay, this king 
is not like King David, which some of this they're pulling back from uh, uh, King David's line and some of his commands. Now, this this specific king here is actually would be uh, referring to the king of Persia. So it, this timeline essentially should be Artaxerxes, right? So this is not a, a spiritual notation. This is an actual historical account. This is a calling of, hey, king of Persia. There's a command from the king, the current sitting king that's reigning over that region, which is the king of Persia, which is Artaxerxes. Okay. Pethahiah appears to have taken Ezra's place for an unknown amount of time and for whatever reason. It's because Ezra's not there. We can we can say that much at least. Um, because 24 and Peth, Pethahiah, the son of Mishabel, the sons of of the sons of blah, of Judah, was the king's as at the king's side in all the matters concerning the people. Okay, that was actually what Ezra had been doing, and so now that Ezra's out of there and is here in Jerusalem, um, Pethahiah is now in that position. For how long we don't know. I mean, there's you could probably dig through more of it um, and get into finite details. But there's not a lot written about that. This is about as much as you get into in most of of the study material that you can find on this. Is He's taken over for the time while Ezra is away. Okay, then we skip into the villages, 25 and to 36. Okay, and it's a listing of all of the different villages. Here we see the remaining 90%, that 9 tenth, they went back to their ancestral homes because this is a provision that we, we discussed or we haven't really discussed, but that they had been discussing, that when the people went back, they were going to go back to their actual ancestral homes, okay? Their family lands, because when God gave them the land and they came in and they conquered it, they have their ancestral times and their ancestral lands. And at a certain point, even if things disintegrate and they lose the land, they have to sell it or do whatever else, That there's a big reset that... And they all get to go back to their ancestral lands because they didn't they didn't necessarily contribute to the loss of something. And that is their promised land. That is the land that was promised to them. And so they get to go back and take it back over again. And so here, when they go back, it's irregardless of who is sitting in it. There's no squatter rights. There's nothing like that. It is, no, this is your ancestral land. This is the land that is your family's. Go ahead and take it back. Okay, it's yours. And so they would all go back to their actual ancestral land. Now, I told you this was going to be a very different one for, from what we've been doing, but it's all right. How do we see the gospel in this? Well, we see that the people of Israel are returning to their nation built on God, right? They're rebuilding the nation on God, and they're returning to that. We see them trusting in the Lord to determine who lives in Jerusalem and who's going back home, much like we trust in the Lord, right? Trust the Lord to direct us and to maintain us. This is something we can see in, in Hebrews chapter 11. We'll do one and then verses 8 to, to 10. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's like the casting of lots, right? We're casting lots. We, we hope like nine, a lot of people were probably hoping I get to go back home, right? I get to go back to my family land, but it's okay. I'll follow God, right? Casting a lot. Verse eight, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was received as an inheritance, right? 
and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Not necessarily just an actual physical city, but a salvation, right? We see that Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the building of the new holy temple, right? Okay, so he's the, he is the cornerstone of the building of the living building made of living stones, which is the believers, which would be us, right? So what can we take away from this? Because this is, again, the lineage is a really big thing that I think we need to keep in mind, right? Let's, let's keep that in mind, that these lists of lineage from people is a great reminder that we don't know what impact simply having a family can have and do and how important it is and the sort of things of how we raise our kids to to live rightly and uh, to be an adult when they're when they're grown live as an adult live as a man live as a woman and actually go and do these things right that's these impacts go great distances this is how we would say playing the long game right not just focusing on what do I get today? What am I doing today? What about this right here, right now? When we think long game, we usually think within our lifetime. This is thinking beyond our lifetime, as some of those were four or five lifetimes out. Okay? Playing that long game, ensuring that we're raising and we're teaching our kids to raise because we don't know what great things our great great grandchildren might do. Okay. So take away, we should trust in God to lead and to direct us, even in things that appear to be happening merely by chance. We need to trust that God has his hand in it. Okay. Trust his, his sovereignty in this, that he's taking care of it and in control. Also, we see that none, excuse me, that we see that one of the themes, not none, wow, See, one of the themes of Nehemiah that isn't often discussed, that God sees the small and intimate details and cares about what others might consider these minor details. They're very minor to us, but they're not minor to God. God plays a much bigger picture. He's not playing. That's a a wrong term, a bad term for this. But God sees a much bigger picture, and he's working out on a large scale and the things that we can't comprehend and that we can't see. And so... We really need to trust that he works on these small, intimate details. I mean, the Bible talks about how how God cares about these details and that he counts the hairs, every hair on your head. He numbered the stars. He created everything. Think of single-celled organisms. Like God has cared so much about little finite details that most of us would just completely skip because to us it doesn't matter. God cares, and he has implemented these super fine, fine details. And to think that he doesn't care about that when it comes to the lives of his people and directing their lives and and working throughout and making sure that things happen where he wants them to happen, how he wants them to happen, with whom he wants them to happen, is, is an interesting concept. God is in control he gives us free will. I firmly believe he gives us free will and he allows us to do things our way. But he understands and he knows what it is that we're going to do and he works special things around that. And he has events and has things happen and he talks to us and speaks through us and works through us with the Holy Spirit, right? Gives us his word, 
for guidance. We have the Bible for guidance and understanding. We have the Holy Spirit for guidance and understanding and direction so that we get directed in more finite details. How do we work specifically? How do we go and do certain things? Like, when should I act in this way? And then he gives us each other so that we can get wise counsel, which then he speaks, again, through the Holy Spirit. It's it's this interworking is just phenomenal, how it all ties together and it all works together. Let's pray. And we want to thank you for today and for, for this portion of Nehemiah. While we see a lot of lineage and it would be really easy to just skip. You know, while I, I skip names to try to not be offensive and butcher people's names, I'm not trying to skip the importance of the fact that their lives mattered, that them living the way that they did and doing the things that they did actually led up to what was going on. While some of them lived not great lives and probably caused the reason that that the exile even happened to begin with, there were lessons learned. And we start seeing now that their children or their children's children are learning from these lessons and are beginning to talk about breaking that generational sin and going on and following you. And we're recognizing the importance of maintaining, teaching our kids to follow. And we just thank you so much for, for everything you're doing. We just ask that you, your hand continue to be on everything going on. Don't lose sight of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, I told you guys, it's going to be a little bit of a, a different week. This is uh, much shorter than normal, but that's, that's all right. It's good. But thank you guys so much again. Have a great week. Again, we, were, we are taking the next two weeks off. So we are not going to be doing this Christmas week or the week, uh, the Saturday of New Year's. It's not New Year's Day, but that weekend either. So take a couple weeks, enjoy some time with your family, and we will see you guys again in January. God bless you guys.